Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor at Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com. It is November 2nd, WWE Crown Jewel live post show. We had full coverage over at Fightful.com. My match ratings will be up this afternoon. Uh, my, my podcast notes that I used to guide this show. I will be joined by Trina shortly uh, for this post show. There, there were... You know, there, I don't know, there's no easy way to approach this. There was a lot of controversy surrounding this event with the political landscape, the way that it is, and the situation that occurred with a Saudi journalist. There were a lot of things, like a lot of questions. People asked me if I was even going to cover this, and I'm always going to cover every show. It's my job to do that, but we are not going to monetize this show, and basically whatever we would have made, I'll find a way to donate somehow uh, or match what it would have been. If you guys want to support Fightful.com instead of us monetizing this particular show, FightfulSelect.com is the way to do it. I posted a free preview Q&A show yesterday. It did not feel right monetizing the show given everything that happened and some of the, some of just a lot of the issues surrounding it. So I figured I would encourage you guys to just support Fightful via Fightful Select instead. That is the most direct way you can support us anyway. It is our premium service with lots of extra podcasts. I'll let you head over there and check out the the things that you can experience there. Also, I wanted to announce we do have a contest running. A Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture signed photograph is going to be given away to a random subscriber of our new MMA and boxing YouTube channel. Search us. We don't have the custom URL yet, but uh, search us on YouTube, Fightful MMA and Boxing. Subscribe. Just leave a comment on anything, and you are entered to win. More details on that. We're going to have a full story on that as well. Also, don't forget UFC 230 coverage Saturday night, a live post-show podcast. With James Lynch, it's going to be a blast. We also had that preview show on Tuesday. But let's talk a little bit about what went into this show. Because it was going to be a controversial show. It's been since the beginning. And the reason why WWE is getting this deal is because 
there are forces in Saudi Arabia who are trying to change the perception and change, uh, allegedly trying to change the culture. But some of that culture hasn't changed quite enough to the point to where some feel comfortable going there. John Cena was all about spouting that Saudi propaganda in April at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But in light of his uh, of this situation where Jamal Khashoggi was murdered, he decided to take a step back. Now, a lot of people said, uh, had an issue with that and almost acted like there was more of an issue because he went in April. Yeah, sure, that doesn't age well. It, it didn't age well at the time. But the fact that he did put his foot down says a lot to me. And, and some people said, oh, he's trying to protect his career. Well, it, maybe, maybe he is, but he's got a paycheck from WWE for life. He never, ever has to worry about money again. WWE is going to pay him forever. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan isn't necessarily in that same boat. Daniel Bryan is freshly re-signed, essentially, or re-upped with WWE and put his foot down over the treatment that he saw once he got to Saudi Arabia. And the, the wrestlers that I spoke to that were there for the Greatest Royal Rumble unanimously disliked the experience. They said it was hard to navigate. It just wasn't the right thing. Uh, the venue wasn't laid out in, in the way that they were used to. Everything was a little bit different. And none of those people that I spoke to were there this time. And when I was gauging, kind of taking the temperature as the room as I often do with wrestlers, nobody, none of the people that I wanted, I spoke to wanted to go back. None of them did either. So you can pretty much eliminate virtually everybody on this show as somebody I talked to, although I did hear uh, of some things happening backstage that we will discuss as this goes on lots of backstage news it's a tough situation and the amount of money that's being passed out for this show is unbelievable to the point to where some of those wrestlers who didn't even go over are still wondering if this should play into their contract renegotiations when their contracts are up next year and the new tv deals there's a lot of things that are they're happening for wwe that leave their superstars wondering, well, where is my piece of the pie? Because as I mentioned earlier this week, WWE took 70, 80 wrestlers to the greatest Royal Rumble and had to for a 50-man Royal Rumble, but also didn't reuse anybody on that show. This time they took about 25, 30 guys. That's a much bigger piece of the pie for WWE, and that's, that's less than the average SmackDown. So... Lots to get into. We're going to be joined by Trina imminently. But leave a thumbs up and subscribe. Check out FightfulSelect.com. It's it's what I would prefer you would support as, as opposed to us monetizing this particular show. That feels a little bit gross to me. Let's go ahead and talk about this show. WWE United States Championship. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Rusev to retain the title. Rusev on the offensive early, big Rusev day chance breakout. I'm not sure what about that Nakamura backstabber that Cole thought was an inverted DDT, but this happened two or three times throughout the the day where Michael Cole was calling moves that were in no way a reverse DDT, a reverse DDT or an inverted DDT rather. This happened a lot on the show and it's been happening more and more and I don't know why. Michael Cole isn't like some old fart or anything. He's... I think he's probably uh, 49. Maybe he'll be 50 this year. He's not losing it or anything, but he knows the names of moves. 
And he kept calling everything an inverted DDT. He calls every enziguri a step-up enziguri. I think that his commentary of late has been very, very subpar. We have some good back-and-forth action, but sometimes uh, Rusev seems like he's waiting around to get hit. He lands a spinning heel kick, misses a machka kick. After a series of reversal, gets a two for a head kick. Nakamura then follows up with a wheel kick of his own and a sliding knee. I really think that should be his finisher. As opposed to the Kinshasa that he does sometimes off the second rope from like six inches away, or that Kinshasa that's begging for a torn hamstring, I really think this sliding knee should probably be the way he goes. It's it's much more like the old Kinshasa that he did to begin with. Rusev catches Nakamura off the top rope with a Machka kick, but Nakamura kicks out. Nakamura gets to the bottom rope on an accolade attempt and scores a second rope Kinshasa. Sets up for another one, but gets put in the accolade, and Shinsuke Kak Nakamura is back. As he's reversing out of the accolade, he runs his head right in the penis of Shin- of Rusev. Rather, These two did a really good job making me not know who was going to win in a match that really shouldn't have mattered. It wasn't even announced till last night. Had no idea these two were both going over there. Until it was announced. But this shouldn't have mattered at all. I shouldn't have cared at all. But they made me. They made it look like Rusev was going to win this match at points. Uh, He didn't. But good for him getting that payday. Speaking of paydays. Hulk Hogan is back for the first time in three and a half years. Now this was reported by Pro Wrestling Sheet earlier this week. And confirmed by WWE that he would serve as the host of the show. What that means is that he'll show up one time, wave to people, say it's great to be back in front of everyone, and that's it. I had people say, well, how, how long is long enough for him to make a living after this? When, How long does he need to be out? And I begged the question, why does he need to be there? Like, I get it for WrestleMania and stuff like that, and it did what it needed to do locally for, for Saudi Arabia. It got a reaction, but. I can tell you that the people that I spoke to in WWE were not convinced of of his remorse about the situation. They were convinced of his remorse that he got caught. That's, that's just, that's just how it is, man. Uh, A lot of the people there didn't believe him. Of course, virtually anybody that talks to TMZ on WWE's behalf is going to pretend that Hogan is back in the good graces of the entire roster. That is not the case. And quite frankly, I've been grossed out by so much of the WWE propaganda that has been published by TMZ over the last year or so. From from the Hogan thing to them just running every positive quote they can find about this Saudi Arabia deal. You know, fair coverage is fair coverage. We run those positive quotes too, but we sure as hell run the negative ones too. TMZ goes out of their way to seek out people who will speak positively about WWE's relations in Saudi Arabia. It's it seemed like a tone deaf decision politically, socially to have Hulk Hogan back in this spot at this point. Now, to some people words don't matter, but to some people words do matter. And there were a lot of things that I used to say when I was younger that I look back at and I say, "Man, that was that was completely ignorant. That was completely stupid." I used to use terminology and slang that I would never use today. I, and I, I mean, some maybe I, and you can't you can't put it on Hulk Hogan like like he's never known a black person. 
Like that's not the case. He it's like he's never known the impact of of those words. I think it's worth mentioning that in a car accident that his son was in that almost killed another human being, one of Hulk Hogan's primary concerns, primary concerns when speaking to Nick via a jailhouse phone was that he would be reincarnated into a black man. One of his top concerns. That's that's where we were with that. And some say that's that's why Hogan wanted so much of that footage suppressed. Uh, of course, David Bixenspan is the person to talk to about that. He covered that situation unlike no other. Well, let's go ahead and get into the World Cup. Enough talk about Hulk Hogan. World Cup opening round. So I, I had some information on this leading into the show. Uh, someone that I spoke to had a source that if you can look at the, the conversation I had with Mike Killam of ProWrestling.com, Miz versus Ziggler was slated for the finals. And as I posted on FightfulSelect.com, subscribe now, the winner was a closely guarded secret. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why the hell was that a closely guarded secret? As I'm hearing the Miz and Dolph Ziggler in the finals, I'm thinking, why is it such a closely guarded secret? We would find out later. Unbelievable. Rey Mysterio defeated Randy Orton. They run through the list of accolades for every wrestler, which was an interesting touch. They don't usually do that. I wonder if it was a bit of a time killer. I mean, really, you could give these people a three-hour show and it'd be fine, but they they did, and they, they gave them a four-hour show, including the pre-show. Nakamura and Rusev went nine and a half. Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton went five and a half. This was a very short match. An easy payday for Randy Orton. He catches Mysterio with a great drop kick. Mysterio finds a home for a nice-looking seated senton and a wheelbarrow bulldog. Mysterio gets the win in pretty short order with a sneaky pin. But Randy Orton beats down Mysterio. And you know, one of my favorite tournament runs of all time was, I believe it was in early 2010, I think it was against all odds in TNA. Elijah Burke, uh, the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro, had one of the great tournament runs ever. I encourage you guys to go check it out. I thought that's what they were maybe setting up for, at least because, you know, I hear Miz and Ziggler in the finals, and I'm even perhaps doubting that source. I'm like, they they couldn't, could they? Obviously, we'll, we'll see what that sets up later. But when I see this, I'm like, okay, Mysterio's the little guy. You stack the deck against him. You, you lead to a really big baby, baby face run to the finals. That, that's what I thought. Randy Orton, uh, RKO'd Mysterio, slides him to the outside of the ring and gets wheelbar- he wheelbarrows Mysterio into the announce table. That's your opening match. Then you get the Miz defeating Jeff Hardy. These were just really, really mediocre matches in this, in this opening round. Pretty much all of them. And and really, really short, too. Miz and Jeff Hardy go seven minutes, ten seconds. Miz cuts a promo backstage so that he has a breeze to the finals. He wasn't lying, as it turns out. Miz is telling the truth. Jeff Hardy cuts a lame promo about overcoming demons, which is incredibly misconstrued on commentary, and they they make it sound like Bobby Lashley is, is one of the demons <laughs> that... Jeff Hardy overcame, and I'm like, I don't think that's what he's talking about, my man. 
Hardy and The Miz have some good action early. Hardy gets out of a skull-crushing finale, and the two guys play the hits. I cannot imagine that that whisper in the wind is a very fun bump for Hardy to take at this stage of the career, but I love that move, man. When it hits right, it is so good. Even when it hits wrong, sometimes it's good, as long as it's not like a Jinder Mahal at the Greatest Royal Rumble situation. There's a cannonball drop kick, which leads to uh, Hardy walking the barricade before a clothesline. Miz gets caught using the ropes for a pin, but gets the skull-crushing finale for the win anyway. So you have Mysterio and Miz matching up in the semifinals of the SmackDown side of the bracket. WWE World Cup opening round. Seth Rollins defeated Bobby Lashley. This only lasted five and a half minutes, but it was good for what it was. It says a lot about how much WWE knows that Leo Rush contributes to uh, this act because they flew him over. Because they aren't flying people over that they don't really need to fly over. I mean, that, that changed a little bit in the last week or two. They they originally were going to take like 20 people. And then that got up, up to, I mean, 20 wrestlers, performers. Then that got up to about 25, 30 over the last week. Every time Michael Cole says, step up in Zaguri, take a drink. Lashley got some air with Rollins. Uh, Lashley started to do this spine buster side slam. That was just real good looking. And it's good looking every time he does it. And Rollins worked really well with it. Lashley does a reverse STO that that Cole calls an inverted DDT again. No. I've heard a lot of things like flatliner, complete shot, inverted STO, reverse STO, modified STO. Modified face buster would have worked. A reverse DDT does not work. That is not a reverse DDT. It is not an inverted DDT. I love the spot where Lashley went to tackle or spear Rollins and Rollins leapfrogged him. Although the big wrestler goes into the ring post spot is becoming a bit redundant and is happening over and over again. Lashley gets posted. Very cool spot though. Out of nowhere and abruptly Rollins sneaks out of a dominator and gets a stomp for the win. Five and a half minutes. See, the thing is I was actually looking forward to this match. I was looking at this and thinking, man, you know what? That's a match that I don't remember seeing. I haven't seen a bunch of times, and I could I could stand for that to get 10 to 12 minutes. No, not so much. I mean, Lashley's getting the push on Mixed Match Challenge, but really that's the extent of it. You got Lashley beating him on Raw, or Balor beating him on two episodes of Raw back-to-back. He beat Tyler Breeze, he beat Kevin Owens, but man, he's he's on a bit of a losing streak right now. I was surprised this only went five and a half minutes. Somebody says, or the self-rock bottom. Man, no offense, but I think that's stupid. I think that's stupid. It's a lot different when you're you're dropping yourself backwards, preparing yourself to take a bump, and, and driving someone's face down with, with an incredible amount of velocity, as opposed to the rock bottom, which, in theory, you are delivering the move, you are protecting your own face, you are not protecting the other person. There's that that ideology doesn't really work. Another WWE World Cup opening round match. Dolph Ziggler defeated Kurt Angle. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. I personally 
either thought that Angle was going to go out in the finals or was going to uh, go out in the finals because of Baron Corbin or was going to go out in the second round. I really didn't think he was going to work one eight-and-a-half-minute match, but he did. And all things considered, I think it's fine. Dolph Ziggler has something to complain about. There's just... Yeah, I I didn't expect Kurt Angle to. I thought they would try to use him to double up and maybe try the to romanticize the <laughs> the fact that he was back. Kurt Angle has still not wrestled a singles or another singles match in WWE this since he's come back. This is his uh, this was his first one. He technically wrestled in the Battle Royal, but barely was in that. We get more generic promos. Angle hits a few German suplexes and gets elbowed off the apron as he teases one from there. One day, somebody's got to hit that German suplex off the apron, right? Like We got to see that. I did think this was the best of the opening round matches, but it was also the longest. And because it was Angle's one match, I think that's why they made it the longest. Ziggler applies a sleeper, hits a jumping DDT after another series of suplexes. Then you get the Olympic slam from Angle that gets two. I had it I had it ending there. I really thought that Ziggler was going to do the J-O-B right there. Uh, Drew sold that he was getting into the ring. Like he was jumping into the ring to either distract Angle or break up the pin, which I don't know what that would have done, but it showed a real sense of urgency that I enjoyed, that I liked. I thought that fit so well. Angle applies an ankle lock but gets posted inside the ring and a zigzag wins it for Ziggler. I think this is a big feather in Ziggler's cap. When you you started the Dogs of War stable, Dolph Ziggler was the guy I wondered about. What was going to happen to him during this? What was going to happen to him after? Because so often Dolph Ziggler's been forgotten about and he's done the same type of promo and gimmick for so long and it's just been the same old stuff, man. However, he's sustained a pretty solid push. He eats a lot of the pins. Don't don't get me wrong. He eats a ton of the pins. But, I mean, he beat Kurt Angle tonight. He had a great run to the finals. He beat Apollo on Raw. He's, He's won some matches here and there, especially this week. He beat Dean Ambrose on, uh, I think it was for the World Cup qualifier even. So he's, he's won some matches. I'm... Pleasantly surprised with how they've rocked with Dolph Ziggler thus far. Reminder, leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We are doing this uh, monetization ad-free. I would rather you all subscribe to FightfulSelect.com than take money for this show. So please check out FightfulSelect.com. Lots of neat stuff over there. Lots of additional stuff. The Retro Review podcasts are some of my favorite to do. I think when we hit a certain subscriber goal, we're going to up those to two a month. WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Bar defeated New Day. Xavier Woods is the man on the outside. New Day riding a giant mechanical magic carpet. I didn't know what to make of this. Seemed a little iffy considering the area. But it got a good reaction. People were out there dancing next to it, reacting really, really well. So, I mean, I wonder how long it took them to put together. Or I wonder if that's just like a parade float that was ready-made and they saw and they said, you know what? Let's get that for New Day's entrance. Let's make that happen. 
I'm going to try to find out. Let's see what we can, let's see what we can dig up. Kofi Kingston uh, front flips out of a monkey flip, which leads to Xavier Woods playing his trombone. Tassaro scores a nice gut wrench suplex. Uh, Cole again calls a move wrong. A back kick is called a trouble in paradise. Kofi Kingston gets worked over and finally tags Big E, who gets his hot tag suplexes, but eats knees on a splash. A big Giranagi hits on Sheamus, who I'm surprised is still taking these bumps considering the, the level of stenosis he has. But New Day get their double team mushroom stomp and air Kingston. Then Big E KO punches Big or Big Show KO punches Big E and Sheamus bro kicks him for the win. This was if I had to rank all their televised matches, this one isn't up there. This one is definitely not up there. I didn't think this was anything really special. It was based on my scale, a five and a half out of 10. And the way my scale worked, it starts at a five. If something particularly offensive happens, it goes below that. And if it, if it's a good match, it ends up at a six. Really the get leap between 5.75 and six is the biggest. That's where recommended viewing starts. I just thought this was a TV match. And that's not something these two guys or these two teams usually have. Usually they turn it on, man. Usually they have some really, really good matches on television. What are you going to do, man? So if you're New Day, now you don't have a tag team title rematch. This is the tag title rematch. The Bar, tag team champions again. I know they want to get at least another WrestleMania out of Sheamus. And vice versa. So who's next for the Bar? Is, is it the Usos? They've got wins that would lead them to that spot, right? They've beaten AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan twice. So it would make sense that the Usos were next. Sanity's doing nothing. I can't even remember other teams on the show. This match went about 10, 10 and a half minutes. The Ziggler angle match went about eight and a half. Semifinals of the World Cup, The Miz defeated Rey Mysterio in 11 and a half minutes. These two guys work so well together. I noticed it last week when Miz had the skull-crushing finale applied to Rey Mysterio and he had him lifted off the ground. That's cool. I can't wait to see that come into play. I just want to see Miz hold up Rey Mysterio in the air and then hit that. Miz had got kicked in the throat in his first match and could barely talk, says that he's He's battling an injured throat. Miz throws Ray outside the ring. Uh, as we see, is a, is a typical spot for Ray Mysterio, but he just rolls through. And as I mentioned this, we are joined by Trina Hi. To, talk, to talk about the WWE World Cup semifinals. Uh, really quickly, Trina, uh, as we didn't get your thoughts on it, any thoughts on the opening round of the WWE World Cup? Any surprises for you? Um, not really. I, I felt like, can you hear me? Okay. I'm in like a phone booth or something. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. I have notes too. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many windows open and I, so I'm stuck in a phone booth with my lunch, which I ran to get before I got on with you. Um, and it's Greek. It's like halal. So it's pretty stinky. It's very garlicky oh, in this tiny, nasty. tiny booth. And then my boss wanted to talk to me. So, um, it's a very hairy day. Let me see. Um, okay. So my thoughts on the, the first matches, I thought, I thought it was interesting 
that they had that Randy Orton attack on Ray. I know they were trying to set up, oh, all these people are injured and so nobody's going in like 100%. Um, I just kind of felt weird about that like extra need to put more violence, you know, like for that first match, like on display, um, especially since everybody's already thinking about Saudi Arabia and, and what, what that means. And so um, I, I get it when it's like in the United States and America, um, Randy Orton's a psycho or whatever, but I don't know. I, I don't know if they necessarily needed him to attack Ray more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it just, I was like, this is too much violence. We don't need this. Um, and then, you know, so Randy Orton wins to me, he's like the all American, obviously he's, uh, he was supportive of going to Saudi. And then when you get the Miz Hardy match, uh, I feel like Miz winning is also sort of like an all American choice. So I saw two sort of like very American choices for them um, to book in front of the Saudi crowd. Hulk Hogan's return. Any <laughs> thoughts on that? It was pretty much a show up, do a pageant wave and leave. Yeah, pretty. I mean, the thing is, I'm glad that that is the only, uh, I guess, involvement that he had in the show. It's the least, you know, the bare minimum, pretty much. I think um, they just wanted to see him do the Hogan thing. Uh, due to the little wave with the boa and I mean that's it uh, I was afraid he was gonna like MC it or like be there more often but um, this is I guess the best compromise for for fans who uh, didn't want to see him at all we get you know he didn't even like really say anything um, and then the Saudis got what they wanted uh, they get you know, the pageantry of a, a Hulk Hogan entrance which I think is sometimes that's what people want to see is the entrance like like the weird thing is about Undertaker, and we'll we'll get into this when we get to that match. Um, I thought Undertaker looked great, but the biggest thing that I always want to see is the Undertaker entrance. And so the kids and everybody got to see the Hulk Hogan entrance, and that was it. I mean, I guess that's the the closest thing you could call the compromise. <laughs> yeah. On to Miz and Mysterio. I thought they worked really well together in this semifinal match. The, the counter that Miz did into the alley oop, which is essentially a reverse power bomb, looked really really well. Ray hit his uh, baseball slide sp- splash. Uh, Miz also slid Mysterio face first on the floor. Mm-hmm. Mysterio connects with a springboard cross body. It's amazing how much better he is now than he was like eight, seven years ago mm-hmm. towards the last few years of his run, Trina. Yeah, yeah. I think part of that is is the difference between how people work um, on the indies versus how they work in WWE. That's a, a huge difference. I think a lot of guys when they transition um like cody had to transition from the way that wwe works to the way the indies work so it was a very rough start for him in the beginning because he had to sort of unlearn all these things that he'd learned um in wwe and i think for ray having been on the indies for a long time now and and working with so many different people um i think he looks better because it's easier for him you know like he's when you're in the Indies, you you deal with like the most unexpected stuff, you know, and you're you're carrying a lot of people. Um, I think that experience has made him a little bit better. And so that's why you're sort of seeing a better Ray than we've seen in a while, because now that he's in WWE, this is a cakewalk for him compared to the stuff he's had to deal with on the Indies. Isn't that the truth? And <laughs> I think the gear plays a lot into his, his new youthful appearance. He, he's slimmed down. He's gotten leaner in his time off of WWE when he showed up at the Royal Rumble. I think a lot of people were surprised, myself included, and uh, that that opened up this run. That opened up a lot of eyes and and gave a lot of positive publicity to Rey Mysterio. There's a wheelbarrow snake eyes that sets up Miz's cru- skull crushing finale, but Rey kicks out. 
A 619 hits, but Miz gets his knees up on a frog splash and pins Mysterio. I thought up to this point, this was match of the night. They they mesh really well together. Mm-hmm. Miz is the ultimate bully, and Rey Mysterio being the little guy plays off of that so well. Like Miz, there aren't a lot of guys that Miz is going to wrestle, and he looks physically imposing next to, mm-hmm. to where he can do that. But I thought they, they meshed really well together, Trina. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised um, because it, I was watching this match and they flowed really nicely. There was a lot of chemistry there. Um, you know, I didn't feel any ring rust, um, you know, from Ray. So I was surprised. I, I had made me think like, OK, I have to look and see if these two actually wrestled in the past. I mean, there, there has to be some little bit of overlap, maybe. Yeah, um, tag, because, tag matches past right, week, but like, and, then, and then way back in like, yeah. <laughs> Eight, That's what I'm talking about. I want to look like nine years ago and see if they were this good. I, you know, I'm curious because it looked so smooth. It looks, it looked like they'd been working forever, you know, together for a while. And, and that's not the case. And so um, testament to both of them, um, how much Miz has improved and, you know, Ray's always a professional. So it did look really nice. The next semifinal match was Dolph Ziggler defeating Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins in control early, but gets distracted, bowing up to Drew and gets ZDT'd. I don't think we see enough good spinning back elbows in wrestling, and Ziggler threw a nice one. Uh, there was a series of like six failed pin attempts and reversals that led to a Rollins ripcord knee that almost got the win. And considering how short some of these matches were, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be the finish, but it wasn't. There was a stiff suicide dive from Rollins uh, that took out Ziggler and McIntyre, but he missed the springboard, walked into a fame asser. There was a nice, every time the superplex Falcon arrow happens, I'm like, is he going to hit it or is he going to get reversed? This time he got reversed into a zigzag, but kicks out. Rollins takes out McIntyre, but Ziggler is distracting the ref, feigning an ankle injury. This allows Drew to push Rollins off the top rope and a super kick gets the win for Ziggler. I thought this was, this was like, man, this was probably... The third straight match it just kept getting better and better and better. And this was uh, one of the best matches on the whole show, if not the best match on the show. And with these two, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, but Ziggler's getting some good wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't – it's hard to, to say what the trajectory is here. I mean, obviously, right. everybody's anticipating, like, the big push for Drew. Um, so it is kind of nice, you know, that they're, they're letting – Ziggs have all these matches, but I don't know what that means in the long run. Um, does he just go back into the shadows once Drew gets that push? Um, I mean, clearly, people in the back like him because he's still he's still there. They're letting him try out all different personas or whatever gimmick he wants to try. And, and so um, people like him. And he looks really good, and he works really well with certain people. Um, you know, I think this is a good match for that crowd specifically. Uh, I go back to like sort of the kids in the crowd and, and see their reaction to stuff. And um, that was just really, really good wrestling with good storytelling. So, I mean, good match all around for me as an American fan. And then maybe some people who've never seen what good wrestling is before. So, Yeah, and these two uh, are probably going to work together a bunch more just because that's yeah. the way that WWE Raw works. But each time they do, it ends up being decent, and I didn't need to see like a 94th Ziggler and Rollins match, but at the very least, they made it good, and Ziggler moves on to the finals. WWE Championship match. Oh, my God. So this match, they had, they had planned, <laughs> as, as has been reported, to 
do a match with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles at the Performance Center. They were going to have an NXT referee. They were going to uh, film it there, and it was going to go about 15 minutes. But they ended up pivoting and putting Joe in this match. And it was solid again, but another one of those matches that we've seen 200 times. Not just in WWE, but before that. It was not as long as I expected either. I thought it would go a little bit longer, all things considered. But then I think about it, and I'm like, well, they, they do have 12, 13 matches, and maybe they, maybe they don't want to do that. But I thought they, they, they worked well together per usual. It's went about 11 and a half minutes. Joe Selling was outstanding in this match, like him just wailing away at uh, the calf crusher that he was placed in, especially when the camera was on him. Joe hits a very violent dive outside that, that caused them both to wipe out in the announce table. Kicks AJ in the ear, hits that high-velocity power slam. Styles got that beauty of a moonsault reverse DDT that he does. Styles' arm got split open at one point, and when Joe locked him in the Kikina clutch, Styles attacked the bad leg leg of Joe, which forced a break. Styles gets a phenomenal forearm for a victory. Your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, we have seen this a lot um, as, as American fans. We watch Raw every every week and SmackDown every week, so we see this a lot. Um, but I think you can't ever have too much of these two. I mean, these two are, are future Hall of Famers, or they should be at least, um, and it's just good pure wrestling. And so it always goes back to the fact that um, there are new eyes on the product with them being in Saudi Arabia, I don't know where else this is going to be broadcast or whatever. Um, you know, so I think it's always good to have a match like that on the card, even though it's a retread and we've seen it a lot um, to teach sort of like a younger generation who hasn't been exposed to this stuff, what good wrestling looks like, you know, so there, there are probably kids in that crowd who are going to be like, look, I saw Joe and AJ Styles live when I was a kid, you know, and then they go into the hall of fame. So uh, it always goes back to sort of like the the bigger picture for WWE, and so I'm you know maybe I'm being too generous here in terms of the way that they're booking this and long term storytelling for a different market. Um, but in terms of me as an as a, an American fan who sees this all the time, I don't mind. And I thought they did put a little bit more flourish to it. I did like Joe's selling. I heard a lot more moaning and groaning than I usually do from him, which I thought was interesting. So um, yeah, I thought it was really good. And, and again, like I said, it, it goes back to the fact that this is a new audience, um, possibly a new market for them. So we are going to see retreads like this. And it wasn't the original plan. They weren't going to go this route if they didn't right, have yeah. to. They, it was yeah. a last minute replacement. So I, I'm inclined to forgive that. Like if, it, they didn't. They didn't set it up to happen yeah. like they did Rollins and Ziggler. They yeah. made that happen. Mm-hmm. WWE Universal Championship. Oh boy! Brock <laughs> Lesnar defeated Braun Strowman to become champion. I didn't even rate this. It was a squash. Baron Corbin is out to make the title presentation. Heyman cuts a little promo. This goes all of two and a half minutes. Corbin cracked Strowman with the Universal Championship. And I thought, oh boy, he's going to get pinned right now. No. F5, kick out. F5, kick out. F5, kick out. Hell of a way to establish Braun as a babyface, I guess. But that does make McIntyre's trajectory interesting, too. Because Drew McIntyre has a feud going with Braun Strowman. And Drew McIntyre, in comparison to Braun Strowman, looks like a babyface because he's dwarfed by him. 
So really, that entire Braun Strowman heel run was just to get Roman Reigns cheered. It didn't work necessarily. And when you put all your eggs in one basket, and then when that basket doesn't work out and you put them in another basket, then you go back to the original basket, and it looks like all your baskets have burned. (laughs) The logical idea was, hey, go buy a new fucking basket. No. What they did was... They found one of the baskets that had burned the skeleton of it and they just, they painted it up and they painted it gold. (laughs) Brock Lesnar's your new universal champion. One thing I did like about this, there was no championship advantage in this match. DQ and count out does win you the title. And I love that that played into it because I didn't even think of it. But then Brock hits Braun with that awesome F5 over the top rope. Braun's getting counted out. That's something that I'm glad they they played into. They they roped into this. Uh, F5 back in the ring gets a pin. I want to know what you think about Brock Lesnar as universal champion, especially considering that he may be fighting in the first quarter of 2019 for WWE. Yeah. Or for UFC, right? UFC, exactly, right. Which that's, you know, Brock was on, um, was on Raw the other day and it, that's the thing that I always look at is like, how does he look? He looks small. He's in the USADA mm-hmm. pool now. So he looks small and he looks really small next to Braun Strowman. Um, yeah. That was really weird to me. I've never, you know, whenever you see him in WWE, he never looks small. So this is weird already. I don't know if you've covered this um, because I joined late, but are we supposed to view this event in a bubble or is this like, this is supposed to further storylines? Um, to me, it, to me, it's gotta be, and it's got to be in totality mm-hmm. because you got the universal championship yeah on the line and that is the ultimate prize that you go after like do we view it maybe like a house show with the title change where like maybe some of the other matches don't necessarily matter but then oh look there's a title change that matters um because I think yeah the WWE I, I, views it as that but they don't want us to view it as that right i mean i i get i get what you're saying and it's an interesting analogy with your baskets it's just it's so convoluted i i don't know um you know this is very this is very uh typical i guess of wwe writing is you know to sort of seem like they're leading down one path and then swerve to another path and now you don't know how this is gonna gonna end up I did like the match in terms of setting um, Braun up as a babyface. Uh, I thought purely just for the crowd. I thought that was great storytelling. The the kickouts from the F fives. Um, like if I was a little kid, I would have. Lo- I loved it. Uh, I thought that was great. And sometimes whenever I see these choices that they make, specifically putting the the belt back on Brock or putting the belt on Brock, sometimes I think this is just WWE really wanting to piss us off. Well, I mean, yeah, and and their idea of heat, I think, is a little bit different to what it is today. You look at the people since Brock has come back Mm -hmm. that have gotten over on him. I think the only one under 40 is Roman Reigns, and he's not around anymore, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And WWE, as we saw on a couple couple of Raws ago, how everybody immediately was pushed up and the dominoes fell when Roman Reigns was gone because – they sacrificed a lot of characters and the creative of those characters to get him over. And now without Roman Reigns on the show, this guy you've been pushing as the top thing, you need the most important prize on the show there. Mm-hmm. I just think that's incredibly confusing and 
I, you don't know what Brock's going to do. WWE themselves were surprised that Brock was willing to do more dates. WWE was under the impression that Brock was out the door after SummerSlam. Right. And then he said, no, I'll do more dates, especially if it's those seven figure insane Saudi Arabia dates. Yeah. I mean, this, this goes back to remember, this is a business. And I think a year or two ago, I can't remember, there was all those injuries. Seth was injured and Finn got injured and they had to just completely redo their whole plan for the year. Um, I think that's what's happening here is that the Roman Reigns thing was, un- was unexpected. It was having Brock back was unexpected. Um, so they're just kind of, you know, they're figuring it out in real time and we're seeing it all play out um, how this is going to go. And so maybe, I don't know, this is just a, a thought, like maybe they're like, okay, we have a bunch of different baby faces for you to choose from, or you know, who's going to rise to the top? It's like, let's give you um, several different storylines or several different um, timelines or whatever, and pick which one uh, the crowd likes the most. Maybe, you know. Yeah, and, and it's all about how they follow this up, because if this leads to something really great and creative that makes me forget that that championship isn't on the show, then... Yeah. That, that's fine. Then that's absolutely fine. You've got Braun Strowman. I don't know if he's supposed to be a babyface or heel right now. Same with Drew. I don't know where that's going to go. How can I look at Drew as a as a heel against the Braun Strowman as as he's, he's essentially an underdog? There are a lot of question marks, and I'm okay with that. I like question marks. I like not knowing what's going to happen on Raw. But my thing is, man, I, I don't know because. Every time I ask about what's up with Braun's push, I'm always told it's one guy, it's Vince. That's it. I don't know if he thinks that this is going to lead to some sort of Daniel Bryan groundswell, (laughs) but categorically different characters are these two. Um, It is just such a WWE thing to do to have Brock Lesnar win the title and then announce that his next match is going to be a non-title match immediately. I felt really deflated after that. The top champ spot on Raw... virtually since I've done a podcast has been such a curious, curiously booked thing Mm -hmm. because Seth Rollins was a sensible champion after that turn made a lot of sense. He loses it. Roman Reigns wins the title after it's vacated. And then it goes to Sheamus. And it's like, they, they often don't read the room. The, the, the top prize, I think the the prop idea is is out the window. Some people it helps, but like you look at a guy like Sheamus, you look at Jinder Mahal. Those titles, the man's got to make the title too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's Yuck. it is a weird thing um, because sometimes I wonder if they shuffle. Sometimes it feels like they shuffle the writers around between Raw and SmackDown because it's always inconsistent. Sometimes, yeah. Always. Well, sometimes they're they're a lot of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. You know, I don't know. It's it's it almost is weird because it kind of mirrors what's going on in on uh, in the indies right now is that you do have people chasing, you know, what's hot and what's new. And so the gender thing, you know, that got a lot of heat at the time. And so I think really this is them just throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing what rises to the top. And, you know, because they don't really know what to do at this point. Um and that's really how it's always been with them. I would say that you've been doing this for two, three years, like yeah. um, this podcast specifically about wrestling. And that's really how it's been. Like maybe they have an idea. They have like a loose structure of what they think they want to happen. And then injuries happen, things happen. And then suddenly they don't know what to do. And then so they just kind of throw a bunch of stuff against the wall. And then what rises to the top is what rises to the top. And that's how you get gender. And that's how you get Seamus. Yeah. To their credit, there, there have been issues like with Balor. Yeah. He got injured. 
Roman Reigns, you could never predict that. The Seth Rollins injury, you couldn't have predicted that. But, I mean, if your backup plan is Sheamus in the League of Nations, that's not exactly hot. If your your backup plan is guy that people were ready to move on past, I don't know if that's your best idea. But we got to see where the chips fall with Elias. Who knows what the level of the push is going to be with him. Also, Survivor Series is a match that has a lot of marquee value at absolutely no stakes. So, like, nothing nothing ultimately matters on that show, as we'll find out. But let's talk about these World Cup finals. <laughs> the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. Drew McIntyre gets booted from ringside, and the Miz's leg gives out on him immediately as commentary goes silent. The match hasn't actually started. And as a result, he can't really be fired for losing this match because... He didn't participate. He's looking very baby faceish here, but I don't doubt that on SmackDown, he'll reveal that he faked it so he couldn't get fired. He's not being allowed to compete, and he's livid. He says, I'm never injured. I'm never injured. This was great stuff from him. Mm-hmm. But Shane McMahon won't allow this to be a forfeit. He's going to wrestle Trina, and in that goddamn jacket, I wish. Oh my God. Commentary's not happy about this. Even commentary, Cole's like, Come on, really? It can't happen like this. It can't happen like this. But it does, and he wins. He hits that float over DDT straight out of the WWF Attitude PlayStation 1 Create a Wrestler moveset. Uh, Ziggler had hit a zigzag for two off a Baron Corbin distraction, but then Shane McMahon hits the coast-to-coast that Dolph Ziggler and WWE production really helped him on. Ziggler leaned into it, and the camera angle changed. And Shane McMahon wins the match. And my initial reactions, thank God we're demonetized, was what a stupid fucking card this is. And and my next thought was they are totally defending that World Cup at Survivor Series. That's my thought. It's because he ran around and he was like acting like he had just won the World Cup. Which he did, in fact, win the World Cup. Any, Any thoughts on this? So uh, what <laughs> miscarriage of justice? Yeah, I mean, so I want I am looking back at my tweets to see. Um, I think I tweeted, "Ha ha ha! This is so fucking stupid." <laughs> Perfect for a show that Hogan is hosting, um, you know. And I think that he wrestled like in to me what looked like Dean Ambrose gear. So I was like, I wonder if maybe like there's some people in the crowd. They're like, "Who is this? Is it Dean Ambrose?" Um, I also thought, and I, I think I retweeted somebody, someone said, this is very McMahon. It was, it's yeah. so McMahon. Um, you know, it was just the most McMahon thing you could, you could have. Is they they stack accolades up. on themselves. Right. The McMahon exactly. family. Yeah. They just made WWE, WWE champion, European <laughs> champion, hardcore champion, women's champion, ECW champion, Royal Rumble winner, World Cup winner. That's just the family. And they all do it. It's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And it's stupid. I mean, granted, Shane McMahon's in great shape and can work. He can work some. So a little bit more forgivable. But, man, <laughs> and it's it's whatever. Like, So I, I, always, I also wondered um, if maybe this is the type of storyline that a Saudi prince would love. Like, I sort of tweeted that. I was like, oh, look, the, the prodigal son coming back and winning the championship. Like, I... I wonder if that's like a storyline within their culture or within the royal family or whatever that pops them. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, of course you would interject yourself into this match that you have nothing to do with and yeah. win. 
I feel like that's that's what MBS would do with himself is like interject himself and win as well. So I don't know. I felt like I felt like this was pretty crazy, very McMahon, but yet at the same time, perfect for this specific pay-per-view. Sure. Like this is the kind of bullshit that you would expect from this. And I fully expect this to lead to a Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. I wasn't told anything uh, either way about that, but that's, that's just what I'm assuming. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> main <After> event. <laughs> yeah, main event time. DX defeated the Brothers of Destruction. I am not used to bald Shawn Michaels. It's yeah. it's a culture shock. It's weird. It's super weird. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I'm at work. I don't know if you told everyone that. Um, and so there's a couple of lapsed fans that I sit next to at work who have only, they only know DX. And so, you know, they were kind of excited. They were asking me, it's like, oh my gosh, did you hear that Undertaker and Shawn Michaels are wrestling? Um, and I'm like, yeah. Okay, hang on. I don't know what's happening here. Sorry. It's okay. I'll take care of it. But he looks um, more like a member of LAX than he does a member of DX. Right. Not even that. I said he looks like some sort of weird version of Gilberg. You know, yeah. like just like a way smaller version of something. I have, I don't know. But um, but anyway, it was funny because I got, what I did was I showed people that I was sitting next to. I was like, look, this is Shawn Michaels. And like everybody just got mesmerized by it. They're like, no way. And I'm like, yep, that's bald Shawn Michaels. And that's um, Undertaker who's had three hip surgeries. And so... You know, it makes me wonder if there are a couple of lapsed fans who were tuning in just for this nostalgia that were totally into it. Because, yeah, people stopped working and looked at, looked at this match. Well, the crowd was into it for sure. And yeah. you mentioned all that. You had Shawn Michaels hadn't wrestled a match in eight years. You had Undertaker, Plastic Hip. You had Kane. I don't believe there's any way that he is healed from a ruptured Achilles that he got in the summer. Mm-hmm. And Sean and Triple H, from what I was told backstage, uh, they were they suspected that he has a pec injury now. And a lot of people were saying, is this a work? Is it a shoot? Chris Amon was out there. It's a shoot. He doesn't come out there just to, to fiddle fuck around, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels hits a neck breaker. First move back in eight years. It looked good. Shawn Michaels was the best worker in this match. Eight and a half years after he last wrestled. Undertaker tags in. Michaels faces off with him. Triple H gets worked over for a while. Michaels comes back in, gets his elbow and the kip up. Wasn't exactly as smooth as it used to be, but he still hit it. There's an ugly-ass double suplex that lands for DX. The flying elbow drop is not ugly, though. He still hit that with everything that he had. Taker gets snake eyes and a big boot. He gets super kicked. And it's very clear at this point Triple H is hurt. There is a move that we will now refer to as the Saudi Arabian whip because it was not an Irish whip into the the barricade where both men went into it. Undertaker and Triple H were not on the same page at all. It was horrible looking. (laughs) And Triple H gets choke slammed through the table. Uh, Was it evident to you at this point that Triple H was actually hurt? Um, Yeah. And so I was a little worried. And then when they did that, the Saudi Arabian whip. I mean, they didn't, they just looked like they were dancing, you know, like, you know, it was really weird. And that was actually one of the parts that one of the people next to me was watching. So um, I think they thought he just looked old. And but in my head, I'm like, okay, no, they, he is actually hurt. And you're right about Shawn Michaels. He really was the best worker and all the workhorse 
pretty much. I mean, he was doing a lot of the work. And to me, um, you know, regardless of whatever the deal is with this whole pay-per-view, as an old Shawn Michaels fan from a really long time, um, ups and downs with how much I still like him. But seeing this, this is the Shawn that I fell in love with as a kid. This is the guy who loves wrestling so much that it shows when he wrestles. Um, like, it, it's been eight years, but you can tell, like, he's doing moonsaults and all this crazy stuff. Like, this is a guy that really loves wrestling. And so we make fun of him all the time for that I lost my smile, but, like, wrestling is in this dude's blood, and you can see it. That's why he was the workhorse in this match. Um, he doesn't really care about his body. He just wanted to do all this stuff again and do it well. And that's what I saw. Um, it was really cool to see that, I, I will say. But that that move with um, Taker and, and Triple H was not great. I didn't think Kane did very much either. Um, Shawn Michaels really is the story of this match. And then hopefully Triple H is okay. You mentioned things that we saw. Shawn Michaels saw the floor mats as he planted his goddamn face into them <laughs> on a moonsault attempt to the outside. It was breathtaking. I couldn't believe he made it happen. He was like rolling around, like smiling. And I was like, I hope he doesn't have a concussion. I hope he's okay. But <laughs> it was still good. The spot hit. <laughs> Chris Amon is out there checking on Triple H. And we're going to see what Shawn Michaels in 2018 is made of here. Because he's all alone. Wasn't sure if Triple H was coming back. But he does. Triple H gets back up, makes the hot tag, gets a spine buster on Undertaker. A pedigree attempt is foiled, as is a taker tombstone attempt. Pedigree hits, but he can't capitalize. Kane gets thrown out of the ring, and that allows Undertaker to recuperate. He applies Hell's Gate, and Shawn Michaels super kicks Kane onto the Hell's Gate, which I thought was a nice spot. Super kick and pedigree get the win for DX. If I graded this on a curve, much better, but otherwise it's hitting that sub- subpar mark the the comment or not the commentary the crowd reaction pushed it up a little bit further this was just Shawn michaels is back that's cool <laughs> the rest of this match ooh boy not good <laughs> yeah i mean we saw this in australia too I, I mean just let's not do this um i don't know what sean's gonna ask for after this i mean clearly he he looked, he felt good. He looked good. We thought he looked good. So I don't know if, what that means if we get more Sean matches, but I don't want to see more Undertaker, Triple H, any of this. I, like, I hope this is done and buried. No more of this. Um, you know, I actually thought Undertaker looked pretty good compared to what he usually looked like. This is the best Undertaker I've seen in a while. I thought he looked horrible in Australia. And, um, yeah, but I don't want to see this anymore. Um, I am intrigued by Sean. We'll see. I mean, he typically gets what he wants when he asks for it. Um, and he looked great. So that's really, to me, that's the story of this. But as Kyler James, our social media manager, points out, Kane's mask fell off too. So that was an <laughs> issue. And I've never seen that to be an issue with Kane ever. No. No, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's what happens when you're the mayor. But I made I made a joke because I know you're distir disturbed by bald Shawn Michaels. I made a joke. I was like, if Kane can wear a wig then why can't Shawn Michaels wear a wig? <laughs> Shawn yeah. Michaels can get one of those dashing Cody Rhodes, like face yes. masks. Well, I mean, he might need one now. Yeah, I know. After He might have broken his nose. He was, ble he was bleeding after the match. Like, Yeah, I, I hope everybody's okay. I just hope everybody's okay. <laughs> Guys, I hope you all uh, enjoyed this show again. 
not monetizing it, but uh, check out FightfulSelect.com. We have a lot of additional podcasts over there. I'll let you all take a glance at what we have. Uh, dare I say the most Patreon content of any site. Trina, what do you got going on? <laughs> well, I'm still stuck in this room with um, my garlicky lunch. So I have to eat that at some point and go back to work. <laughs> um, you might be interested in this because you, you do cover MMA, but I'm going to see Brendan Schaub tonight in a comedy club. I really enjoy his stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. There is a local show here uh, in the, the San Francisco Bay area. Um, Joey Ryan is doing double duty. He's, He's over at one promotion and then he's going over to Oakland for another show. Um, But I'm seeing Brendan Schaub instead. So I'm looking forward to that. And then obviously Cormier, Black Beast tomorrow. Yeah, excited for that. UFC 230 post show, myself and James Lynch. Shout out to Brendan Schaub, who often uh, he'll, when he's covering stories on his podcast, it'll have a a fightful link up there. Like he'll, he'll be reading one of our stories. So always appreciate that. Guys. Follow us at Fightful Online. Follow us at Fightful Wrestle and at Fightful MMA. Reminder, subscribe to that new Fightful MMA and Boxing YouTube channel. Carlos Toro, our lead boxing writer, went live with a boxing podcast yesterday morning. I'm going live with news a lot more here and there. But if you subscribe, you are entered to win a Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture signed photo ahead of Chuck Liddell's MMA return. My God, I can't believe it's happening. But then again, look at the main event of today's pay-per-view. Till next time, guys, we're out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.